0: I think sometimes it may be difficult for us to feel like we relate to the Israelites and some of these things that we read in the Psalms. Yet, if we think about it in terms of our emotions, Psalm 53 today talks about feeling overwhelmed with dread. And I don't know about you, but I have certainly felt that before. I've certainly had seasons of my life or even instances in my life where I have felt overwhelmed with dread. And then what we see is God intervene on our behalf And the encouragement is that we serve the same God today that is revealed in the pages of the scriptures and the Psalms. So today, as we listen and we learn about how David talks about this opportunity to trust God in all things, I pray that that is an encouragement for you if you are going through a season of overwhelming dread and and you recognize that there is a God who loves you so, so much and he's right there alongside of you. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Psalm 53, which is a psalm of David. Beginning at verse 1, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. One. Will the evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread, and who do not call on God? There they were, overwhelmed with dread. There was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame, for God despised them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion, when God restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice, and Israel be glad. If you have been reading the Psalms with us for a while, Psalm 53 may sound familiar to you. There's a couple reasons for that. Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 are almost parallels. There's a lot of similar verbiage and, and language. A lot of scholars believe that they are adapted versions of each other. Um, and then also Psalm 52 that we read yesterday had a lot of the same language, whereas Psalm 52 kind of talks about the mighty hero in his arrogance. Psalm 53 talks about the fool, but they both have that same kind of um, general descriptions about them that are very, very similar. In Psalm 53, however, the historical setting for that is probably an event after some sort of invasion, like maybe the invasion of um, the Assyrian king, or after some sort of enemy has attacked. And not only has that enemy attacked, but God has fought on their behalf. It, It talks about how God has scattered their bones and put them to shame all throughout Israel. And so while the evildoers in Psalm 14 was really Israel, who was kind of coming against the poor. In Psalm 53, the evildoers are a foreign enemy. And so those are the major differences that we see. And just as a general outline, what we would see is it would start off, of course, Psalm 53 verse one talks about the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So this is coming from the the fool's perspective. And then verses two through four, it switches to God's perspective. Then verse five, we see this idea of dread and judgment. And then in verse four, verse 6 we finally see hope for Israel's salvation and so in in a very short psalm i mean what is it 6 verses in a very sh- short psalm we see kind of all this come together where it's it's very quick but we see this kind of process of going from this foolish perspective to then leaning into god's perspective to understanding the the judgment that's coming, but then resting in this place of hope because of who God is. I think the focus for today is where I always focus when I read this verse is down in verse five. It says, there they were overwhelmed with dread where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame for God despised them it's really a turning point that we see God intervening on their behalf. And while we don't a hundred percent know which victory this is talking about, what I always think of and and what some scholars also believe this to be is back when King Hezekiah was fighting Sennacherib, and, you know, at the time King Hezekiah's, army was tiny. It was this tiny little town that they were trying to defend. And as he was basically standing up to this king and decided to fight on behalf of Yahweh and not pay the tribute to this king and and stand up for uh, just the one true God, there was very little hope in that scenario, that they were going to come out on the other side alive. And yet, if you remember, if you don't, if you don't remember, go back and read it. You can read it, uh, King Hezekiah's story in 2 Kings. But if you remember what happened in that story is God delivered them. Like literally 180,000 troops of Sennacherib's army was just killed overnight. Just miraculously, an angel of the Lord came and, and took care of them. And so much so that he turned around and he went home. And I always get to this place of thinking about King Hezekiah right before that happened. Now, of course, we have seen God move miraculously in King Hezekiah's life. He he turned the sun backwards. He healed him of, of this disease he had or injury or oh, I think it was a boil. Yeah, it was a boil he had. But anyway, we see God moving on behalf of King Hezekiah throughout his life. And so I know that King Hezekiah was in this place of of having faith that God was going to work. But if you think about what happened and the place that he was likely in right before that happened, um, where this army is attacking them, he's done everything that he can. He's double fortified the walls. He's brought the the spring inside the city gates. He's you know he's done everything he can in preparation to. Get to a place of being able to hold out as long as they can, but the army that they were hit fighting was huge. They had war machines. They had, you know, weapons that that, that King Hezekiah didn't have. It, it it did not look good in the physical. And so, as the enemy is kind of closing in on him, I try to picture myself in King Hezekiah's position, and then, and then we see God move on his behalf, and and the behalf of the people of Israel where. God just intervenes and and rescues them from that situation. Now, of course, there was later uh, Babylonian captivity. They got, you know, the, the fall of Israel. It, it happens later. But in this situation, when King Hezekiah was listening to God's voice and being obedient to God's voice, we saw God interact and, and, and act on his behalf. And so here we are, verse 5, and this is, you know, the the scene that, I think many of us have had in our lives where we are overwhelmed with dread. I don't know if that resonates with you the way it does with me, but they're overwhelmed with dread. Verse five says, there they were overwhelmed with dread where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame for God despised them. God was present in the company of the righteous. Even though the evildoers did not perceive it, I I love that I love this idea of God working on our behalf, even when those that are attacking us have no idea. God is there, moving and working on our behalf, and so in Psalm fifty three, what we see is God proving His presence and taking care of their enemies, and. We see that over and over in Israel. Now, in in the highlight of their entire story, there's lots more more to that story with their disobedience to God and all that. But what we see is these moments where they are up against impossible circumstances, yet we see God intervene on their behalf. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, Um, if you've ever experienced things like that. I have. I have to the point where if God didn't intervene, we were going to have some, some, uh, very terrible circumstances on our, on our hands. And, and I've talked about that on the mission field. I've talked about that. Um, financially we've had that happen. Um, you know, there was one time even just practically, you know, as you live your life for a believer, even things like tithing, and you might think I'm making a stretch right now, but let me just explain what I mean. Even things like tithing can be something that if you've never tithed before, and then you start tithing to a church, the enemy gets upset about that. And even people around you Um, especially if you don't have a lot of believers around, you are going to kind of, you're going to kind of feel attacked. Like, why would you give 10% of your income to the church? And, um, realistically, what we know is that all of it is God's money and God can do more with our 90% than we can with our hundred percent, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But I remember when we were very young in our marriage, my husband and I, and we had hardly any money. Like we were living off of coupons, literally living off of coupons and wick at the time and is free food um, from the government when you have a baby. We literally were living off of those things, and generous neighbors like the food pantry and things like that. And we needed fuel for our uh, home that we were living in. It was like a fuel oil situation where the tank, now I don't even know what it would cost to fill it up, but at that time it was $800, and it was $800 that we did not have. And it wasn't like there was a payment plan where you could just pay $50 a month or something. I mean, this was, you know... $800 was a lot of money for us at the time, and yet God called us to tithe, and so we tithed, and at the time, people around us, even family members, were like, why are you giving the church your money? You can't afford to do that, all this stuff, and... We don't know even to this day exactly how it happened. It was winter time and we went to church for the evening and we just believed like if God was calling us to do this then he was going to provide. We did not know how we were going to get money to heat our home and we had little kids at the time. And when we came home from church the the heat was on and I was kind of confused by that, and I thought, well, maybe there's just a little bit left in there to kind of squeak out another day or something, and yet my husband was like, no, we were completely out, and we what ended up happening was is there was a truck that had come and filled up our uh, our fuel tank for that that winter while we were gone at church. And we, to this day, don't really know that how it happened. We didn't really tell anybody. Um, our, our family knew of our situation because that's kind of where we were at um, financially, but nobody really knew. And, and we don't know what happened. We don't know what happened now. I'm sure there is some sort of logical reason or explanation, but we were never charged for that. Um, we, we just don't know. And, There's been times like that throughout our lives where we have had people around us, you know, maybe we don't necessarily have an enemy coming to to knock down our walls, but we do have an enemy, a very real enemy that will try to discourage us, will try to keep us in any way, shape, or form from stepping out in faith and doing what God has called us to do. And so sometimes that comes in the form of finances. Sometimes that comes in the form of pressure. Sometimes it comes in the form of a boss or uh, even friends or family of, of all these negative voices that can kind of crowd out the voice of God in our lives. And yet what we see is God intervening and coming in in that place of dread when we have surrendered our lives to him and said, okay, God, I trust you. I've done all I can do. And I trust the rest to you. He steps in and he says, okay, what did you even have to dread? Like, you know, there, there are moments where I think back over that same feeling. And I think that's what I'm trying to explain that feeling, that dread of worry and anxiety. And like, how are we going to How can we give this money to the church when we don't even know how we're going to heat our home? And yet... God intervened. And like I said, God math is different than than our math. And there's been so many times in our lives where we've gotten to that place. And so now what I know is that when, I'm I, when I am in that place, what the scripture says is that, that overwhelming dread, when I'm in that place, I have to get on my knees. I have to say, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust you. And what we've seen over and over is God work on our behalf. That's exactly what we're seeing in Psalm 53, as God works on the behalf of the people of Israel. And what we know about God, what I say all the time is we serve the same God that we see revealed on the pages of the scriptures. And while there are some things that I say are descriptive and some things that are prescriptive, when we're talking about God, God is the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so if we serve a God who worked on behalf of those in the scriptures when they were overwhelmed with dread, then we know that God will do the same for us. We know that we have a God that intervenes when we are overwhelmed with dread. So I'm going to read this again, and hopefully that insight is helpful. Starting again in verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will the evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people, as men eat bread and who do not call on God. There they were, overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You Put them to shame, for God despised them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when God restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. God, we thank you for the turning point that we see here, the turning point even in our own lives where you engage with us and you show up for us when we are overwhelmed with dread so god i pray that right now for any of my friends that are overwhelmed with dread that you would make yourself known that we would recognize that there's nothing to fear that you are with us that you are present that there's never a time that you are not with us that you are a god who restores all things that you as we see in verse 6 oh that salvation for israel would come out of zion when god restores the fortunes of his people let god let jacob rejoice and israel be glad that you are a God who restores. God, we thank you that, um, you reveal yourself to us through your word. And we thank you that you work on our behalf, even behind the scenes, even when we don't understand or know how it's going to work out. That's the God that you are. You are a good father. So Lord, I pray for my friends today that may be in that place, that they would be reminded of how much you love them and that you are working on their behalf. It's in Jesus name. We ask these things. Amen. Hey friends, I just want to let you know that we have lots of great resources for you in the She Hears shop. So if you are looking for something to do after you've finished the She Hears Bible study, or even if you would like a Bible to go along with the Psalm study that we're doing, we have lots of note-taking Bibles and journaling Bibles. There's kind of something for everyone in there. And a new thing we put in the shop is something I love. I use it with my teenage daughters, is the real pretty Bible Bible books of the Bible markers. So you, they're little tabs you put on the outside of your Bible and they help you easily be able to see and flip to different books of the Bible. It's so helpful like for church or when you're doing a Bible study to easily be able to see where you're going. So I pray all those things are resources that you will find helpful. And again, you can find those at shehears.org on the resources page.